Today, it, it's now gone today, technically, and I haven't recorded a dollop. Well, in fairness, I had recorded a dollop, or at least I thought I'd recorded a dollop, but it hadn't recorded. My new microphones have arrived, my ear microphones, so I thought I would celebrate the arrival of the microphones by doing an audio dollop outside. And I was going to do a walking dollop, but then time got the better of me, and I had to be going out. So I thought, well, surely I can do a dollop from where I am. So I did a dollop from the train station, and it was a little bit weird because I was a bit self-conscious about talking. I mean, I was talking into my phone, so it would have looked as it was as if I was on the phone. Still, if I was standing next to someone, I was a bit self-conscious because sometimes I would say something because I was talking about what was going on around me and stuff like that. And because the microphones were in my ears, I didn't want to cover one of the microphones up with the phones. I didn't want to hold the phone next to my ear, so I sort of held the phone in front of me. So, I mean, people probably thought I was on some sort of hands-free call or something. It didn't look like I was having a normal phone call. And then if anyone can hear what I'm saying, I'm commenting on what's going on around me. And I'm not talking as if I'm on the phone. I'm talking as as if I'm recording, so it was a bit self-conscious about that. But I did it, I did it for the good of the dollop, and it was rather funny. We were, I was coming up with some great observations about the people around me. We, we spoke to a few people as well, there were a few characters, and then we got on the train, then I went to the train toilet, so I could do a quick dollop about things that were happening on the train, and then I got off the train, I was in Manchester, and I did a bit of the dollop from there. There was a bit when I was walking through Manchester, and we were walking past somewhere, there were people shouting, get your tickets here, get your tickets here, and someone else shouting, get your t-shirt, here before you go in but get your t-shirts and I thought I wonder what this is you know I wonder we must be passing a theatre or something and then my sat nav suddenly alerted me to the fact that there was a Christian science centre right next to me I assume that the Christian science centre wasn't the thing that people were going into but I might be wrong because it didn't announce that there was any theatre or anything next to me so you'd have thought that if there was a theatre there was a lot of, lot of people queued up you'd have thought there was a theatre that it would announce that first it wouldn't go for the Christian science centre I'm not sure why they were selling tickets or t-shirts the Christian science Center, if it was them. I don't know what the t-shirts would say. I went to the Christian Science Centre hoping to get a miraculous cure for my cancer, but all I got was this lousy t-shirt. I basically spent all the time walking down the streets of Manchester, talking to myself, standing at the train station talking to myself. I deliberately went to the train toilet so I could do a private report about things that were going on at the train, because I was too self-conscious to, because there were loads of people next to me. So I did all of that, and then it turned out that I hadn't pressed the record button. I think I pressed the record button in my pocket, Maybe I accidentally misjudged where the record button was and pressed stop or something. Yeah, now I think about it, I think I did press the wrong button. I'm thinking about where my hand was. You don't want to know where my hand was. I should have really been concentrating on the recorder, you know, especially at the train station. It wasn't appropriate to be doing that with me. Anyway, um, yeah, all that talking to myself, actually talking about where my hand was, that was another thing. When I was putting the microphones in my ears, these are microphones that go in your ears, basically. I'm not mad. If you're thinking, what, what are you doing putting your microphones in your ears? I mean, that's, that's just how you wear them. So when I put them in my ears, I then thought, well, to make this less conspicuous, I'll tuck the wire down my shirt, which I always do. I always tuck the wire down my shirt or in my T-shirt or whatever, so there isn't a big wire trailing around. So I began to feed the wire down my shirt. But then the wire got stuck, so I'm trying to find the bloody thing. So I've got one hand down my shirt, and I'm just sort of fidgeting around for this wire. At which point, the elastic of my cane gets stuck around my wrist, and it sort of tightens. It means I can't really move my hand much anymore. So now I'm really trapped. Now my hand is trapped inside my shirt. I'm still trying to find this wire, and I'm thinking, I'm going to have to open some buttons on my shirt here. So anyway, I'm going to be able to get my hand out. So I'm trying to get rid of the cane from my wrist, and I'm also trying to find this wire. So I'm then shaking my hand up and down in my shirt. But goodness knows what 
it looks to other people. And the wire just isn't coming. The wire is not coming at all. It's like still stuck. And I thought, right, I either start undoing the buttons of my shirt or I disconnect the wire somehow. As I say, I've got no hands free because I've got a battery pack in one hand. I've got my cane, which is tied around my wrist, and that hand is stuck down my shirt, vigorously shaking up and down. So I haven't got any hands to reach down to the recorder. So I need to bring the recorder up to me. So the only way to do that is to lift my leg up. So I've now got my leg in the air. I'm hopping up and down because I can't balance. And I'm shaking my hands up and down my shirt to try and free this wire. And eventually I succeed. So I'd put the wire down my shirt in order to make myself look inconspicuous. But by doing that, I then spent about two minutes with my leg in the air, with my hand inside my shirt, shaking up and down. Which probably made me look more conspicuous than having a wire. That would probably looked as if I was just wearing some earphones. Which in fairness, most people who wear earphones don't tuck the wire down their shirt anyway. So if I just had the wire out, people would have gone, oh, he's listening to some music. Oh, he's on the phone, which is why he's talking. So I went through all that rigmarole and I wasn't even recording in the end. <laughs> Before we go, I just want to read out someone's comment, and I will be reading out more of your comments in tomorrow's dollop, which I suppose we should probably go for a walk, shouldn't we? We haven't done a walking dollop for a long time. But the comment that I want to read out is from Cohen, who is responding to my blog about my story of singing Once in Royal David City when I was in secondary school and being the opening chorister to sing the first verse of Once in Royal David City at the Christmas concert, the big opener. And when I opened my mouth and began to sing, my voice decided at that moment to break. I started the verse as Barry Gibb and ended the verse as Barry White and it sort of oddly vacillated as well making me sound at times like either Tom Waits on steroids or Tom Waits on helium depending on which range my voice decided to suddenly adopt but then I said that I've told this story before to people and Sean reckons that I've ripped this story off from The Simpsons and I said well I'm pretty sure I've not watched that Simpsons episode and I have a memory of this happening to me we've got a comment from Cohen a comment from Cohen Braithwaite Killcoin. My goodness, he's put his full name in there. Most people just put their first names in. He's put his entire name in. I'm surprised you haven't put your date of birth in there as well, Cohen. But thank you very much. He says, yes, the Simpsons scene actually involves a flashback of Homer's voice breaking. See for yourself, he says. And then he puts a link to the video so we can listen to this now. Maybe this is going to bring back memories and I'm going to realise I had heard that Simpsons episode. Or maybe hearing someone singing once in Royal David City with their voice breaking is going to bring up some kind of painful memory. This is going to send me over the edge maybe. I'm going to have a fit. So hang on a minute. I said once in Royal David City this is all holy night. Hang on a minute. That's a fundamental difference. I'm sure I've not seen this. What a voice! Young Homer's going to make me a millionaire! Hey, my voice just changed. Oh, night when Christ was born. Dagnabbit! Is that it? Come on! My story was better than that. I put these dollops out for free. Look at that, The Simpsons is like worth millions. My story was much better than that. When they dramatise, I have no problems putting that in the film version of David's Daily Digital Dollop. It's nothing like the bloody Simpsons at all. Thank you anyway, Cohen. I'm not sure if I have falsified the memory. Anyway, we've got another comment here from Georgina Ramona Smithers. Yeah, another triple-barrelled name. Very posh people who listen to my dollops. Uh, she says that there is also a Simpsons episode where Bart Simpson impersonates his PE teacher, uh, rings up a man in the year above him and pretends to be the PE teacher. Uh, so that's interesting. And also, um, Stephen says that apparently 
apparently there's a big Simpsons episode which is set in Sheffield train station and uh, the Simpsons try to get to Manchester on the train but they face lots of delays, uh, apparently. And there's a big Simpsons episode about that. So apparently the, the, the suggestion is basically that I have ripped off the Simpsons in, in the majority of my dollops. It shouldn't be called David's Daily Digital Dollop. It should be called David's Daily Digital Dollop. Uh, perhaps. Ah, the exciting news, ladies and gentlemen, is that the dollop now has a theme tune. The thing I think has been missing from the dollops, personally, is that we don't have a theme tune. So, I was thinking, uh, it's an original piece of music. I've worked quite hard on it, actually. See so what you think of this as a theme tune. So it's the Davis Daily Digital Dollop theme tune. With this, I shall say goodbye. through the keys and then there's going to be I'm not sure what instrument it's going to be but I'm thinking maybe uh, maybe a saxophone sort of a baritone sax at this point so like then it goes back to and then the big finish it's going to do it in it's going to do it in half time now the big the big riff here that you've all got stuck in your heads now because it's so catchy because da 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 That's the theme tune, everybody, to David's Daily Digital Dollop. Dollop 273. It's been probably about a month or something, but I have some new ear microphones in, and it's time for a walking dollop. Who will we see on our travels? Will we see the man with the water feature? Will we see his next-door neighbour, who doesn't get on with the man with the water feature? Oh, hello! Our first guest is Nigel. Nigel the cat. For a heightened audio experience, put on your headphones and you'll be able to hear the sound of that screeching bus in three-dimensional realistic quality. You'll also be able to hear the sounds of the uh, wind howling in my ears, as if it was howling in your ears. What a magical experience. It's as if you can pretend to be me, because you are essentially me, as if you are inside my ears. Right now, you're inside my ears. <laughs> I don't know what people think. If there's anybody in the vicinity, just some of the things you must overhear as I go walking past. You are inside my ears. I'm talking into my phone, and I'm saying you are inside my ears. <laughs>
Anyway, I think I've explained this before, but I'll very briefly mention that the idea of having the microphones in your ears, you'll hear a sound that's spatially realistic because of the position of the microphones being in the ears. But it also means that your brain will be able to decode the information. Rather than it being a simple stereo imprint, so the sound is on the left and the right, your brain will be able to use its abilities to interpret acoustic information. It'll automatically be able to understand whether the sound is coming from in front, behind, above or below. So technically, you should be, I mean, I could do some tests. I'm gonna lie underneath this car, see if you can tell if it's going above my head. <laughs> I'll do a few tests and see if you can tell the difference and you can let me know. You should be able to hear the sound of the wind in the bushes above my head. We'll do a few tests anyway, as we go and see if you can hear the direction of where things are. I know this is sounding very geeky, I'm not. So now you should be able to hear above my head. If that's where the sound is coming from, above my head right now. The sound of the wind in the trees. Meanwhile, below my feet, you should be able to hear the sounds of my feet through the leaves. also be able to tell whether a car is coming from in front or behind me. So like this for instance. Let's play a guessing game. Which direction is the car coming from? Give yourself a dollop point if you said that it came from the front. It came from the front and passed round to our right. Brilliant new feature there. So many interactive features on these dollops and thank you very much to everybody who's getting involved. Oh, here's another game. Which direction? If you said that it came from in front, you are correct. Came from in front and passed along the right. Oh, here's another one. Now that was a good one, because that one came from the left, came from in front, from the left, passed me on the right and then slowly went to behind me. Whereas this one... Circled right round me, right round me there. So we're looking for suggestions for which dollop we're going to turn into a musical a hyperbolic, dramatic song slash musical. We're looking for your suggestions. And we have a few comments, so I shall read those out. And I just thought it'd be nice to read out some of your comments, go for a little bit of a walk. That's it, really. A simple dollop today. Oh, hang on, here's something else. Now, which direction? It's time to play the game. Okay, give yourself a point if you guessed from behind me. He came from behind me and passed me on the right. Alex. Amazingly, I thought it might have been the countdown theme tune, but I ignored my first instinct naively, assuming that it was a bit too random to be included in the mix. I should really know better by now. You should, Alex. 
Why shouldn't the countdown theme? You obviously haven't heard previous pick and mixes. We started the first pick and mix with the EastEnders theme tune. He thinks that Dollop 215, Fawn for All the Family, has potential as a musical, or possibly an operetta. Now, I don't think he meant that as a joke. Yeah, he spelled operetta correctly, O-P-R-E-T-T-A, because I thought you might have been doing a joke on like operetta operator because he's talking about phones a phone operetta yes i like the idea of that alex and you've also given me an idea there with a the phone operetta very good like phone operator phone operetta i like it i like but i think my favorite suggestion for david's daily digital dot the musical so far comes from claire how about the kettle one where Wi-Fi took over, of course. A classic dollop. Now that, Claire is a dollop aficionado. I think Claire has listened to every single David's Daily Digital dollop. I mean, she'll have headphones on right now. She'll be listening, playing the game. Which direction is the car coming from? Well done, Claire. It's good to have someone like you on board. I seem to recall doors opening when they wanted to, etc. Which dollop number, please? That was dollop 15. I have looked in advance, by the way, so I am aware of which one it was. It was called Killer Kettles and Fatal Fax Machines. It was my dream that I had, which was caused by the fact that our kettle connects to the Wi-Fi in order so that you can boil the kettle by using an app. You can use your phone, so you can be sitting in the front room or upstairs and you can start the kettle boiling. However, it is a little bit scary because you have to remember to put water in it. Because if you don't remember to put water in it, it will still boil. Only it will try and boil a dry kettle, which could be rather dangerous. And so I was suggesting that this is the problem nowadays. Everything is becoming controllable via Wi-Fi and that someone could hack into your house and essentially turn your house against you. I like that as an idea for a musical. Well, if anyone wants to read that dollop and if anyone's inspired to contribute to some words, feel free. Exactly sheep. I'd say the sheep thinks it's a good idea, don't you? Exactly. She are brilliant. That's what the sheep's saying. Then again, you would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, a few sheep puns, I know. A bit woolly, is that what you're saying? You thought the joke was a bit woolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, it was bad, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. What's that you're saying? Mare? Mare? You want mare? No, I think that'll do. I haven't got any mare. <laughs> Can you tell which direction the dog is coming from? Give yourself a point. If you said behind. I think I'm going to go for Claire's suggestion. I think that's what we're going to go for. Give yourself a point if you guessed coming from behind. <laughs> if someone's just tuned in now, maybe they started listening to the dollop, maybe heard the first 20 seconds and then the phone rang or something, or someone came to the door and they've only just returned to the dollop and opened the door just as I said, give yourself a point if you guessed coming from behind. I'm thinking, bloody hell, what's this interactive feature? <laughs> okay, final one. Give yourself a point if you guessed. Came from in front and went past me on the left. But I'm interested. Feel free to let me know if you did play the game and if you were able to tell. Oh, just got a reply from Claire. This is well and truly interactive. Tar, I will reread slash listen tonight. Also, we could use the binaural technology, the uh, three-dimensional audio, to dramatic effect in our musical. We could create proper three-dimensional audio drama so you'd be able to hear the sounds, for instance, of the various machines advancing towards you from behind. Oh. And I think also in the musical, we could sample 
the sounds of machinery, the sounds of vacuum cleaners and kettles, in order to create some of the music. Oh, I'm liking where this is going, Claire. <laughs> I'm just giving myself so much more work. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening. So, I need to work on ideas for the rogue domestic robots dollop. Polly, don't put the kettle on. Polly, don't put the kettle on. Polly, don't put the kettle on. You'll get a lot more than tea. <laughs> Polly, don't put the kettle on. Polly, don't put the kettle on. Polly, don't put the kettle on, or you'll get tragedy. When domestic servants become domestic masters, when a simple harmless household machine turns from placid to evilly mean what is this world obscene in which we've entered what kind of warped science is this that has invented my kettle's on the boil my kettle's on the blink my kettle's gonna kill me, I'm pretty sure I think. The kettle's going crazy, the kettle's going wild. I'm gonna get far more than chamomile. Oh, anyway, I've started the, I started the musical already. <laughs> Let's do a test with this music book. Right, I'm going to wave the music book around in front of me and behind me and up and down and to give you a proper three-dimensional experience. We'll see if this works. Here we go. So I don't know if you could tell. Let me know if you can tell anyway, but I think we can incorporate three dimensions into our musical. But anyway, that's not what I should be playing right now. What I should be playing is I should be thanking you for listening and then, of course, ending with the theme tune. Goodbye, and hello to you. 
Goodbye to Ben, my housemate. Hello to you. David's Daily Digital Dollop listeners. Two David's Daily Digital Dollop. Oh, some lovely stereo. Lovely audio there. I mean, I did get smacked in the face with a bush, but I hope you appreciated the sound. If you were listening in headphones there, that would have been quite a harrowing experience. It would have been as if you also were being attacked by the bush. Yesterday's dollop involved us being attacked by machines. Today, I'm being attacked by rural shrubbery. We're going on another dollop walk. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it, that? That's one thing David Attenborough doesn't have to worry about. His cars passing when he's trying to do his wildlife stuff. Oh, that's lovely as well. We're getting a lot of lovely sounds here. Sounds of wind chimes. I've just realised <laughs> the wind chimes are directly where the. Um, I was stood there, exactly where I've just been standing, talking about the birds and the wind chimes. It's directly at, outside the bus stop, and I just realised there were two people just stood there, probably looking at me, wondering what the bloody hell I was doing, just talking, going. Awesome, lovely sounds of birds there. Well, then stopped again. Awesome, lovely sounds of wind chimes. I'm not sure what they thought. I was rather embarrassed as I walked past them. I mean, I could have really topped it off and played the good morning game. There are a few things that happen in my life through being blind where I think it makes people just think that I'm weird. I mean, if I knew there was people at the bus stop, obviously I wouldn't have stood there chuntering on about birds and wind chimes. Those people will be clearly thinking, hey, that's nice, isn't it? Look at the simple blind man there with his likes to hear the sounds of the birds and the wind chimes. Do a little commentary to himself. That's nice, isn't it? And it happened on the train. And you would have heard it if I had been recording. That was the day that I was on the train that I was meant to be. Well, I thought I was recording an audio dollop. I didn't actually do any recording on the train. So I was just listening to some stuff on my mobile phone. A few messages were coming through and I was just listening to that. And the speaker of my phone is at the bottom of the phone. So I hold the phone upside down in order to hear what the phone's saying. But presumably this must confuse a lot of people. And I think I think it must get me a lot of attention because it happens at least, I'd say once a week, once a fortnight, that someone will make comment about this. And you think, if someone says something about it to me, that suggests that there's a lot more people who see it and don't say anything about it, but clearly observe it and think, what the bloody hell is he doing? I mean, other people might put two and two together and assume that if I've got my ear to the bottom of the phone, that I am listening to something. So maybe it's just the not-so-intelligent people who get confused by this. There's a woman over there, I don't know if you heard, shouting, Oi, Brandy! Brandy, here! Brandy! Oi! Brandy, here! I assume that she's shouting to a dog who happens to be called Brandy. Either that, or she owns this piece of land, and maybe she has servants, and she just lounges around in the garden, calls to her minions to fetch her alcoholic beverages. Oi! Brandy! But, uh, I assume she's talking about a dog, but I don't know. Anyway, this happened in a taxi the week before, and it happened on the train this week. Someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, Here, mate, you're holding your phone upside down. Presumably you're expecting me to go, Oh, bloody hell, thank you very much, my friend. That explains a lot. <laughs> I must have been sending all my text messages upside down. No wonder people couldn't make tail nor head of it. Tail nor head of it? What do you mean? Tail nor head, it's the expression, isn't it? Tail nor head. No, you've got that. You've got that the wrong way around, mate. Head nor tail. Oh, I've got that the wrong way around as well, have I? Hey... Well, don't I feel like a prattinutter complete? 
So I then have to explain to the person, I have got the phone upside down and I'm aware of having the phone upside down, but I'm listening to what the phone is saying and the speaker's at the bottom of the phone. Also what I don't understand is, presumably I don't look puzzled, I don't look confused. So if I'm holding the phone upside down and I look, f I look absolutely fine and contented, as if there's no problem, then presumably, can you not assume that, that I am using the phone? Like, it may not be how you would expect me to be using it, but clearly I'm using it. I mean, yeah, if I had like a puzzled expression on my face, if I looked really confused and someone was like, oh, you're holding the phone upside down, man, I'm like, oh, that explains a lot. My goodness, it can happen to us all, though, can't it, eh? Anyway, so there's that, and the other thing is I don't have my screen turned on a lot of the time. There's no need for me to have the screen on, on the phone, so I have that turned off. Meaning that I'm essentially just tapping at the phone and people can't see what I'm tapping on or even see that there's any light coming from the phone. The other thing that I get quite a lot is people saying, hey mate, your phone's turned off, you haven't even got your phone on. Again, as if I'm going to go, oh, bloody hell. That explains so much, my friend. Thank you very much. I've been doing this for weeks, weeks wondering what's going on. And I wonder about what, what are the other people thinking who don't mention this? Are they just assuming, oh, well, he's, he's obviously blind. He's obviously using a voice or something. You know, he's, he obviously knows what he's doing. He's not an idiot. Or does everybody else think, maybe other people think, oh, he won't say anything. He's obviously, you know, he's a bit simple. He's, uh, you know, he's clearly enjoying himself. He's absolutely fine there. He's, someone's obviously given him their broken phone in order to pacify him, you know, keep him, keep him happy. And he just enjoys tapping away at it there. That's nice, isn't it? I mean, bearing in mind as well that the phone has got a really cracked screen. It's got cracks all over it when I knelt on it. I think if you could see, you would have replaced the screen by now. You would have got the phone repaired. But... I have absolutely no need because I don't really need the screen. I only need elements of the screen. So it works for me. But if you could see, you wouldn't really be able to use this phone. So I think that kind of doesn't help either because I think people probably think, well, he's clearly just someone that's given him his broken phone and he's just having a bit of a play. He's having a bit of a tap with it, you know, just tapping the phone, putting it to his ear now and again. That's nice, isn't it? Maybe there's some sort of charity that we can help with, you know, that gives, you know, where we can recycle our old phones, you know, our old broken phones, and we can give them to some charity, and they issue them to blind people, and, you know, they issue them out to the blind people, and they just, and the phones don't work, but they're just happy tapping them and holding the phones to their ears and that kind of thing. Are they not surprised that I'm on a train by myself? Clearly I've managed to get on a train by myself. Maybe they think I'm an escaped person. Maybe they're thinking, I wonder where he's come from. I wonder how many people are thinking he's clearly not going to get very far. <laughs> My second from last train journey would have only corroborated people's idea, wouldn't it? And when, when I said to the ticket inspector, oh, I thought I was going to Manchester, but it turns out this is the train for Plymouth. And they go, ah, oh, it's point proof, and he hasn't got a clue what he's doing. He can't hold a phone. I saw him a few months ago, walking down the street in Sheffield, saying good morning to people. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. He clearly doesn't know what he's doing. Now he's on a train to Plymouth. He's meant to be going to Manchester. <laughs> I saw him at the bus stop uh, just a few days ago, chuntering on to himself about wind chimes and birds and just listening to a son of a bush. Yeah. Well, it's good for him to get out and it doesn't hurt anyone, does it? That's the thing. Morning. Morning. Now, if you're wondering whether that's someone maybe playing a rival dollop game, I don't think so. It is three minutes to 12. So they've just got their mornings in, just in the nick of time. Otherwise, it'd look like a right fool, wouldn't they? Three minutes later, <laughs> and good morning to you. Even if you're listening in the evening or the afternoon, it doesn't matter. Good morning. One of our many dollop catchphrases. Thank you for listening. Until tomorrow, dollop 275. Good morning. That's the sound of my helicopter taking me back to the studio. A few days ago, I suggested that all mobile phones should have a button on them, which when pressed, plays your ringtone. This would mean if you found yourself stuck in a conversation with someone that you really wanted to get out of, you could just 
discreetly press this button, which would be a raised and reasonably large button for easy and discreet access from within your pocket, and your phone would then ring. You would then be freed from the obligation to talk to the boring person that you've been lumbered with. Today, I have another feature that I think should be incorporated into all mobile phones. This idea was inspired by the sound of someone's phone going off, which belonged to the person next to me on the train. If you listen to the audio version of this dollop, then you will be treated to an impression of this ringtone. For the rest of you, you'll have to use your imagination. Very fast and loud techno music filled the carriage, and an MC began some very enthusiastic high-octane shouting over the boom, 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 booming, and the woo, 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 whooping. Sorry, I've, I forgot I was going to be whooping, and I didn't adjust my levels to accommodate that. The owner of the phone that was playing this lively, loud rave music gave a weary sigh and slowly produced the phone from out of his pocket. And as he did, the volume increased even further. Come on, come on, come on, come on! yelled the MC. Boom, 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 boom. Woo, 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 woo! The owner of the phone gave another long sigh, cleared his throat and answered. His hello was croaky, flat and world-weary. He was very downbeat and clearly hungover. I could imagine that last night his mood and energy levels would have matched his raver's ringtone and it would have been a more appropriate choice, but it certainly didn't suit his mood on this particular morning. The contrast between his techno-hardcore ringtone and his demeanour was comical. It caused me, and a few others nearby, to chuckle. His phone call ended with him croaking an unenthusiastic bye before returning his phone to his pocket with another long sigh. No sooner had he returned the phone to his pocket, Come on, come on, come on, come on! Woo, 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 woo! Boom, 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 boom! He held his head in his hands, gave an exasperated sigh, and then reproduced his phone from his pocket. People were audibly amused by this, and I was trying to stifle my chuckles, given that I was sitting next to him. Not that this man would have the requisite energy to challenge my amusement in any meaningful way anyway. This person presumably chose his ringtone when he was in a partying mood. I would imagine that he didn't consider how he might feel the morning after, hungover and on a train full of people. In this environment, his ringtone seemed like an absurd choice. I therefore think that phones should come with an option to choose specific ringtones for specific times. So he could have his raver's ringtone on a Friday and Saturday night when he's clubbing and partying, but have something a little bit more sedate for a Sunday morning that will complement his hangover and will be less embarrassing for him on a packed train. Or maybe this could just be a function that's automatically activated so that the phone is able to consider the time of day and the person's location and then surmise that the techno-hardcore ringtone will be inadvisable in this particular situation. My other idea would be to integrate a system that is universally compatible with all phones whereby the person calling you is able to select an option that will bypass your chosen ringtone and play a more standard, sensible one. This would be useful if you knew that the person that you are ringing had a stupid novelty ringtone set but the news that you had to impart was of a more sobering nature. Therefore, you could choose to bypass the novelty ringtone for something more pedestrian to suit your sobering news. For instance, hospitals and care homes could use this feature by default when calling someone to avoid a situation where the news of their mother's death is heralded by the Benny Hill theme or We're Having a Gangbang by Black Lace. Or maybe a better feature would be just a system that whenever someone downloads an annoying novelty ringtone, they are instantly killed. Notice that I stipulated instantly. It wouldn't be a slow, painful death. I'm not a monster. I would, however, have a rule that the deceased person's novelty ringtone choice must be played during the funeral service. This would act as a deterrent for other people, warning them against downloading annoying novelty ringtones. People would soon start getting the message when their loved ones are being carried in on a coffin to the relentless blabberings of the crazy frog. Have I gone too far? No. 
I thought not. Novelty ringtones are really that annoying, and I doubt that any sane, rational person would have any problems with the combative measures that I'm suggesting here. Get in touch with me if you are an IT specialist who is interested in working with me on these exciting initiatives. It would also be useful if some lawyers would come forward to help as well. It's catching on that theme tune. David's Daily Digital Dollop Dollop 276. Thrill me, kill me. Which is the name of a song that I composed at the age of 13 or 14. I was just going through some things thinking, I must have some more old songs. And then this one presented itself on the computer. I can't actually find the original song, but I do have the lyrics for it. It's a song called Thrill Me, Kill Me. And I think it's quite interesting, actually, because it shows an insight into my idea of relationships and dating at the age of 13. I'm going to sing a line at a time and then we'll analyse each line and then I shall perform it in its entirety. So it gets off to a blistering start, I'm sure you'll agree here. When first we met, we had our separate lives. You had yours, and I had mine. Not sure I necessarily needed to point that out, I think it was pretty obvious. Before we met, we had our separate lives, which I think is pretty obvious, but just in case you still weren't sure, I thought that I would uh, offer further clarification there. You had yours and I had mine. Straight away, there's no complications there. You know, I'm not, I'm not going for abstract lyrics here. I want to make sure you understand the story. And that's personally, and I think this is what I was doing at the age of 13, and I, I think I should be applauded for this. Unlike people like Bob Dylan, you know, he's very, he just comes, he just comes out with absolute nonsense, doesn't he? You know, whereas me here, and I want to make sure that people understand what I'm saying. I want to make sure there's no ambiguity. So when first we met, we had our separate lives. You had yours and I had mine. But by the end of the day, within a few hours, these separate lives had changed. These separate lives were ours. It <laughs> doesn't really make any sense. Because what I think I'm trying to say is now we're together, our lives are intertwined. But it doesn't really do that, does it? If I said these separate lives are no longer separate, these separate lives are one now. We're one life. We're living one life. I'm not saying that. I'm saying these separate lives were ours. I'm not sure whether I really make a point. I would argue that in the first four lines, I haven't really said anything. Basically, I've just said I've met someone, is what I've said in the first four lines. I've essentially rhymed hours with hours there. Granted, one is hours is in the time, H-O-U-R-S, and one is O-U-R-S. But still, I think rhyming hours with hours is a bit poor, really. And when we went to bed that night, it felt so right. You turned off the light, and then you kissed me goodnight. At the age of 13, that's presumably all I thought happened there, you know, it's, it's quite innocent at that age. So basically, we've established in the first eight lines of the song now that I've met someone, uh, we've gone to bed, but all we've done is kiss. It's a lovely story so far, I'm sure you'll agree, but then it begins... Remember the song is called Thrill Me Kill Me? So at the moment, I'm pretty thrilled. But now, why is it called Thrill Me Kill Me? Well, it's time to find out, my friends. So the next uh, bit of the song goes, You woke me up. You said you wished I was dead. You punched me in the face. You kicked me in the head. You screamed that I was the devil. And then you woke. You said it was just a bad dream and laughed as if it was a joke. So my goodness, things are turning ugly in this relationship. So you can hear why it's called Thrill Me Kill Me now. I was battered. I was bruised. I wasn't very amused. <laughs> I think that's pretty obvious. I was battered, I was bruised. I wasn't very amused. Who the hell is this girl? Who are you? You want to thrill me? Then you want to kill me? 
You want to thrill me? Then kill me. From elation to rage until we reach the next stage. So you'll be pleased to hear that there is more. There's the next stage. What will the next stage be? I haven't decided to leave this person yet. You know, I've been kicked in the head, I've been punched in the face, she's called him the devil, but I'm still sticking with her. So uh, let's find out what happens next. We went to the party. You were looking great. I showed you off to every single mate. The party was good and we went home late. This had been our first date. So I'm not really sure how that works. How can that have been our first date? Presumably, I've already beaten the bed with this woman. <laughs> I've already beaten the bed with this woman who's been beaten black and blue. But that doesn't count. That wasn't a date, apparently. We were hungry, so we went to the shop. You got beef, and I got pork. So that kind of ancillary information that I think is that I put in the lyrics, which really heighten the story and really give you an extra dimension there. I could have just said we were hungry, went to the shop, but no, I tell you what we ate. She had beef, I had pork. I think it just helps to um, add a little bit of extra. It's like when you read a book and they just give you little bits, you know, they describe the landscape or the furniture in the house or something like that, just to build up a profile. I think that's what I was doing there very successfully because I'm not one to just waste lines you know as we discovered in the first eight lines every word mattered it's a character profiling thing the fact that she had beef and I had pork you took your knife you used to cut your meat and in your drunken state thrust it close to me so she's gone again you know the first verse same formula third verse just as the first verse I'm completely thrilled by this woman second verse my god I'm a bit confused by this scenario that I'm painting, though, because I make her sound like a psycho, really, don't I? It sounds quite dramatic, you know, she's cutting her meat, and then all of a sudden she thrusts this meat cleaver in front of me. It's quite um, harrowing, until you consider that we've just been to a party. I went to a party, we stayed out late, so we know that it's late now. It's probably like three o'clock in the morning or something like that. Presumably we've gone for a takeaway. She took a knife that she uses to cut her meat and in a drunken state thrust it close to me. It was probably just a plastic knife. You know, we're at takeaway, they're not going to give you a massively sharp knife. It was probably much more like a feeble plastic knife. So it doesn't really seem that scary, really, but um, it's the intention behind it. So it, which kind of makes the next line a bit pointless, because I said, luckily I moved. It's like, well, if you hadn't moved, I don't think it would have really done me much damage, to be honest. But luckily I moved, and I wasn't very amused. See, again, I'm using that line, I wasn't very amused. I think I'm, I assume it was just a plastic knife. But the way I'm building this up, that bit, thrust it close to me. You know, makes it sound like maybe she's got some sort of meat cleaver. So I'm not sure exactly here. I can't remember. I was 13 when I wrote this. But luckily I moved, but I wasn't very amused. That's kind of the line that I seem to take all the time, isn't it, really? You know, the, when she punches me in the face, kicks me in the head, thrusts a meat cleaver in my face, and I just say, I wasn't very amused. But still, I stick with this woman. The chorus goes, you want to thrill me, then you want to kill me. You want to thrill me and kill me from elation to rage. And then we reach the next stage. <laughs> well, why am we reaching the next stage? Like, clearly, she's, a, she's mad. She's a psychopath. Why am I sticking with this woman? We went for a picnic on a farm. You were beautiful and full of charm. I asked you to marry me. My goodness. Although there was a caveat. I wasn't going to let her anywhere near cutting the cake. I asked her to marry me and she said, oh yeah. So that's beautiful, isn't it? All this stuff's happened, but I've forgiven her a ways. She's put on the charm. She's beautiful. She's charming. I've asked her to marry me. She said, oh yeah, what could possibly go wrong now? But then you try to run me down with a combine harvester. <laughs> so, you know, I've just asked her to marry me. We're getting on really well. I've just asked her to marry me. She says, oh yeah, she's really happy. And then for some strange reason, she goes crazy and tries to mow me down with a combine harvester. Luckily, 
I jumped out of the way and disguised myself as a bale of hay. I'm not sure how I managed to do that. I don't know how you disguise yourself as a bale of hay. I jumped out of the way and disguised myself as a bale of hay. I'm not even sure whether disguising yourself as a bale of hay is really a very clever thing to do if you're trying to get out of the way of a combine harvester because a combine harvester surely plows through hay. So the last thing you want to do is take cover in hay. I mean, she's just going to plow through the hay and therefore plow straight through me. I think it would have been better if I just ran away. I mean, combine harvester can't go that fast. So the fact that she's got a combine harvester, I mean, goodness knows how she tried to run me down with the combine harvester. We were on a farm, that's how the combine harvester's there, but how did she manage to take ownership of the combine harvester, get into the combine harvester, <laughs> switch the combine harvester on, and then start trying to run me down with it? There's a lot that isn't said there. For someone who spent the first eight lines essentially saying the same thing over and over again, you'd have thought I've got a bit of real estate there. You'd have thought that I could have used more lines to have kind of clarified. I mean, bearing in mind as well that the format so far has been four lines for the thrill me bit, four lines for the kill me bit. Now, arguably, we get to the most interesting verse of them all, and I try and combine the thrill me, kill me idea into four lines. I think we could have spent at least four lines on this Combine Harvester story. Where did she suddenly... She suddenly saw this Combine Harvester, managed to get in the Combine Harvester, managed to use the Combine Harvester, know how to switch it on. Where the hell did she get the key from? She started the Combine Harvester up, and now she's trying to run me down. Rather than me just running away from the Combine Harvester, which can't really go that fast, it's a Combine Harvester, rather than running away from it to safety, I decide to disguise myself in the barn as a bale of hay, which I don't think is particularly effective. I'm just lying there, presumably now, curled up in a bale of hay. I mean, she's probably going to find me and then plough right through me. And I tell you, if that happens, I wouldn't be very amused. I don't mind telling you. That's the song. And then basically, who are you? You want to thrill me, then you want to kill me. And then it says, from elation to rage, until we reach the next stage. It doesn't have a next stage, but that's the chorus. Maybe I should have said we've reached the last stage, but I didn't. I've left room for a sequel there, really. <laughs> Which I never wrote a sequel. I mean, I'm thir I was 13 when I wrote this. 17 years have passed. No sequel has been written. So I thought we would end today's dollop with a rendition. Uh, rendition is probably quite a good word for it. It's going to be more like an interrogative torture, I think, than a musical performance. But uh, this is me singing my song from the age of 13, Thrill Me, Kill Me. One, two, three, four. When first we met, we had our separate lives. You had yours and I had mine. But by the end of the day, within a few hours, these separate lives had changed. These separate lives were ours. And when I went to bed that night, I felt so right. As we switched off the light, you kissed me goodnight. me up. You said you wished I was dead. You kicked me in the face. You punched me in the head. You screamed I was the devil. And then you walk. You said it was a bad dream and laughed as if it was a joke. I was battered. I was bruised. And I wasn't very amused. Who the hell is this girl? Who are you? You want to thrill me? Then you wanna kill me You wanna thrill me Then kill me From elation to rage Until we reach the next day
the party you were looking great I showed you off to every single mate The party was good, we went home late This had been our first date We were hungry so we went to the shop You got beef and I got pork You took your knife You used to cut your meat And in a drunken state Thrust it close to me Luckily I moved But I wasn't very amused Who the hell is this girl? Who are you? You wanna thrill me Then you wanna kill me to rage and then we reach the next stage We went for a picnic We went to a farm You were beautiful and full of charm I asked you to marry me You said, oh yeah And then you tried to mow me down with the combine harvester Luckily I jumped out of the way And disguised myself as a bale of hay Who the hell is this girl? Who are you? You wanna kill me? Then you wanna thrill me? You wanna thrill me then? Kill me from elation to rage And then we reach the next stage Powerful stuff. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with Dollop 277. It's good to see that I haven't lost the talent. I'm still writing quality. That piece of original music there, which is the David's Digital Dollop theme tune, arguably just as good as my finest work at the age of 13.